0: Yo, yo, yo. What is going on, Energy Fam? Welcome back to the next episode of Primal Alchemy's Red Pill Initiation Hour. Here with your host, Chris Story. Now, a little bit of shit that we've got to touch base on, guys, before we can kick today's episode off. And the first is first, which is a massive thank you to everybody that continues to show me their love and support after each and every episode. I'm getting some real good feedback recently, guys. You lot seem to really enjoy the previous podcast, episode thirty-six, with Professor Donald Hoffman, big time prof. Big Donald! Yeah, you really liked it, guys, and it was uh it was great for me to hear back what you guys felt from it, because it's quite a far-out subject, don't get me wrong. We go from talking about nutrition on one podcast all of a sudden your balls deep into simulated universe theory so it's quite the jump quite the paradigm shifting information that's being presented and you seem to be responding to it well which is great news for me it lets me know that I'm on to the I'm on to something I'm uh, starting to grab some attention with this podcast it's slowly growing so all through organic growth I don't actually promote this podcast uh, with any sort of financial push, everything has been done organically through word of mouth, and yeah, really happy with how it's going, guys, so please, your your you, right there, you that's listening to this, your opinion means the world to me when it comes to this shit, and just let me know, let me know what you think, drop me a review, it would mean everything to me being able to increase my visibility and exposure to an overall wider arc in audience. And also just to know what I'm doing right and what I can improve on here. So please drop me a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes. Uh, if you listen to this on Spotify, it does not take many thumb movements to just click off. Runs in the background anyway. You can even do it while you're listening to this right now jump on Instagram at primalalchemyuk UK and just be like, dude, I'm listening to episode 37 and I'll let you know what I think afterwards. It's not too much to ask, guys. And in return, I'll give you an exclusive discount code to be used on PrimalAlchemy.co.uk. So if you use the code REDPILL, that's the code REDPILL, you'll get 10% off anything within your shopping basket at PrimalAlchemy co.uk so if you're brand new and you are being introduced to the primal alchemy brand for the first time basically what are we We are a superhuman optimization brand We take care of everything that we can regarding physical mental and spiritual optimization. One of our flagship say one of our the or I should say our flagship product is Vitruvian protein which is an organic whey protein superfood powder. It's got adaptogenic herbs, nootropic herbs, prebiotic herbs, and pretty much every other high-vibrational superfood that I could find that I thought would be beneficial to formulate into one solid package for you. So check it out. Really, guys, I did make it to be the best P4PGOAT, the GOAT, of health supplements here in the third dimension. So, yeah, check it out. And if that's not for you, then why not check out our ancestral potential coaching programs? This is your chance to work one to one with myself, be that in a exercise one to one, nutrition one to one. Or maybe you want to get on board with my enlightened biohacking tutoring sessions, all on primewarklemy.co.uk. So, guys, check it out. Don't want to uh, plug that shit any longer. So let's jump on with today's episode, which is episode thirty-seven with Miss L Russ. So if none of you are familiar with who L is, L is the author of the Amazon best-selling Paleo Thyroid Solution, which I was looking at getting in touch with L for a while. Because not only is she the author of That Best of the Book, she's also the host of the Primal Blueprint podcast. So if any of you are familiar with Primal Kitchen, Mark Sisson's brand, amazing guy, amazing brand. Elle is the host of that branded podcast. So very well connected, very switched on, knows her shit. And yeah, we had a really good talk. We discussed the real issues when it comes to thyroid health. Of especially uh, something that I think would be interesting here is because Elle, obviously being female, she talks about it in terms of her own personal experience of turning her health around from being a actress in Hollywood, a female figure competitor, to actually destroying her health in the whole process that most of these athletes do when they are um, when they're competing at this level to switch into a primal diet an ancestral paleo diet and completely changing her life around. She talks and discusses about going to hundreds, well, maybe not hundreds, but, you know, figure of speech, hundreds of doctors around the US uh, looking for a cure for her, for basically her destroyed thyroid, which most people have. Most, most people are walking around with either hypothyroidism or hyperthyroidism. And, uh, yeah, Elle has really shine the light on what the thyroid really is, what it's responsible for and how to nourish it with real whole foods and a few supplements thrown in as well. And along the way, we just discussed many things. We discussed the issues with, you know, the vegan agenda that I discuss here every now and then, maybe a bit too much, but I feel like it's important. We discussed, uh, yeah, our own personal health journey And just threw in some of Elle's uh, most recent, I guess, biohacks that she's uh, finding the most benefit from as of late. But, guys, I'm looking at the time of this recording, and again, I have blabbered on, and I'm chatting shit, so let's just get this episode up and running, let's get to the good stuff, and let's kick off episode 37, Morpheus, tell these fools what's up. You take the blue pill. so below what lies without resides within time for growth to begin mental physical and spiritual we find balance with all three as we focus on totality the whole not the half this is for those on the spiritual path Looking for the clues to the answers of life But the truth ain't always nice So leave your ego at the door Let your inner lion roar And your spirit soar As we go deep down to the molecular level Tap into the body With some yogic breath Throw in some calisthenics For a true strength test Like the shamans of old We use the nature to heal With a little bit of DMT to reveal This whole life journey is a little surreal And your mind needs a leader Not a follower in life Let your mind be the master And you pay a hefty price This next 60 minutes is about self Mastery, it's not an easy path, and it's a lifelong journey. But we up to empower with this red pill initiation hour. With this red pill initiation hour, brought to you by Prima Open Me.
1: The Matrix is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth.
0: Three, two, one. Oh, shit, sweet Odin. Guys, we're back with episode 37 of the Red Pill Initiation Hour. This one is going to be a gem of a podcast, guys. You're really going to like this one. Again, we're switching the flip and we're coming over to a slightly different subject as... Um, bit of a change, you know? I mean, we've gone pretty esoteric within the last few episodes and so now I thought it was time to bring it back and sort of really focus on the body and on what really controls the body and something that most people don't really have an idea about. If you studied biology, physiology at uh, any level, you you covered the very basics of this and it's such an important gland to understand in how it affects the body is a holistic unit, and you know that's what we're all about here now but uh by episode thirty seven guys fuck episode thirty seven man this has gone quick but anyway let's just jump straight into it today's guest is uh miss L Russ she is the paleo queen and the thyroid heroine herself coming to save the day save your endocrine system save your metabolism, and get you back into complete health and optimize your life in the process. So, L, thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks
1: on. for having me. So happy to be here.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Elle, I mean, just uh, just to give everyone a heads up who may not be familiar with your work, you've got quite the background, quite the story and quite the experience. So, yeah, for if you could just give us um, a rundown of who you are, what you're about, how you've become the sort of fiery juggernaut that you are today mm-hmm. in terms of, uh, information that you're throwing out there. That's, that's spot on. Like literally there's not many people that's, that's out there publicly anyway, that's on your level with the information you're given. So yeah, if you could just give us a little bit of, uh, a rundown, uh, that would be great to start things sure. off. Sure. Well,
1: hey, thanks for that compliment. Um, <laughs> so, uh, for those who don't know me, so I'm just a normal person in this world that was pursuing, uh, you know, acting in in writing in the entertainment industry. I live in Hollywood, and so as I was doing this, which was like maybe started arrived here 15 years ago. There was, you know, listen, we all see the movies and TV and for the most part over the years, all of the leading ladies were really, really fit, right? I mean, you know, they look like athletes, they got rocket bodies and that's kind of what's expected of you. And so because my looks were in the leading lady category, I knew that I had to step up to a certain level of fitness in order to get roles, right? I mean, that's, and, and, and let me just give you an example. I mean, you, you not only know it because you see it, but then I used to like intern at casting offices and I would hear, I heard one casting director on the phone with an agent and she said, yeah, your client's at an eight. I need her at a two. Meaning, you know, size eight, size two. So, so, you know, you just know that this is part of it. So what I was doing was following conventional wisdom, a little, you know, kind of like the zone or South Beach, like eat every, you know, eat three meals a day, two snacks, keep the insulin steady. Uh, it was kind of a low fat, uh, paradigm, which doesn't really work. And I was over exercising. I was doing what Mark Sisson calls chronic cardio because I thought this was the way you had to do it, you know, and so, but here's the thing. While I did achieve The body. I was a mess inside, like struggling with food disorders. You know, I'd have meltdowns after four hours of not eating and be hangry, and my brain would hurt. And I'd have to like drive to a grocery store and stuff my face to just make it the extra 20 minutes home because I couldn't handle my head in the car because I was just like having these crazy drops in blood sugar. And I didn't realize it was the wrong paradigm. And at the time, to my credit, had I done any research, paleo, primal, ancestral was not even out there. So I didn't really have a choice. And at the time, I thought, okay, hold on a second. I have this body and this level of fitness, but I'm hating it. So this clearly means, I mean, this was my false assumption. I logically concluded, okay, in order to get the body, then this is the suffering that's required. And either everyone else out there who's fit is not talking about them thinking about food all the time and not talking about their internal suffering or something's wrong with me. Like something's just wrong with me that I'm obsessed with food all the time, that I eat a meal and I can't wait. And I'm still trying to shimmy sham and make deals about the next meal. And I just finished a meal. Now, anyone listening who knows about this, it is, listen, it doesn't matter if you're 400 pounds or you're actually fit food obsession is a fucking nightmare. It's 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 a personal, horrible hell to constantly be thinking about food, to be exercising willpower every couple of hours because you just keep wanting to open the fridge and you just can't get it off your mind. It's, it's beyond horrific. So I was living in this personal hell thinking that either everyone else was not talking about how they were suffering or something was wrong with me. And at one point I thought, do I have to go to like Overeaters Anonymous meetings? Like, you know, I, I just really thought something was wrong with me. What I didn't realize is that I was on the totally wrong paradigm, which probably led me down a road to my thyroid getting screwed up. So what happened was, is in the quest for ultimate health and the perfect body, I got horrifically sick because I was following conventional wisdom. And when I switched that and later on find, found Paleo Primal, not only did every food obsession go away completely, and that happens to be every success story we have at theprimalblueprint.com, the success story may be like, oh, I lost 100 pounds, or I cured my acne. Acne, But at the end, it's always like, but the best part is I'm no longer obsessed with food. And you don't believe it until it happens to you. And so not only did I find that? Thank God. But what happened in the meantime is my thyroid got completely screwed. I didn't know what was going on many years ago. I gained so much weight. So I'm a very short person. I'm like five feet, two inches tall. And I went from about 115 pounds, which is like totally normal and fit to 160 pounds, which is fat and bloated for a short person. I worked out two hours a day, kept gaining weight. My hair was falling out. My skin was thickening. I got acne. I had gynecological issues. I had over 30 symptoms. And no doctor in L.A., knew what the fuck to do they tested me wrong they said it's not your thyroid keep working out and eating less i'm like yo buddy i'm eating a thousand calories a day and i'm working out two hours a day i'm practically an athlete so don't tell me to use my gym shoes more and that's what happens a lot so these doctors don't know what they're talking about because they're steeped in 40 year old outdated wisdom that doesn't make sense anymore or never did and they're still just going shaking their heads going well must not be this and you're like "No, no no this is this you know what I mean? So I didn't, I was undiagnosed for two years. 60% of the population is undiagnosed. We've got 200 million people in the world with thyroid problems. It's the number one prescription in America. I know it's rampant in the UK as well and all over the world. And the biggest problem with it is that doctors are uninformed and they are still steeped in 40 year old Protocols that aren't used anymore, knowledge about how to test that's no longer valid, and they're keeping patients sick and they're hurting them. And, you know, it may not be intentionally, but it's because of their ignorance on this topic. So here I am in Los Angeles, and I'm in the city of doctors, man, right? I'm in the city of like anti aging doctors, right? You know, if you want to optimize your shit, you come to LA. We've got the best, right? And I couldn't find anyone who could test me right. I couldn't find anyone who knew what they were doing. I had doctors misdiagnose me, I had doctors give me things that hurt me finally at the end of all this i said that's it i'm taking my health into my own hands i'm gonna do it i think i know more than these doctors so fuck it so i did i actually ordered my own thyroid hormones on the internet i used doctors for blood work didn't listen to what they had to say and i dosed myself back to health then i had a second thyroid issue in 10 years um Which was a little bit more complicated, and again was left in the dust on my own. I had gone and talked to and corresponded with over fifty doctors over a decade; none of them helped me. I did it myself. That's unacceptable to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's unacceptable. I have a philosophy degree, people. Like this is not. I shouldn't be, uh, but I had to be my own doctor. So. That is how I became a subject expert because I was dissed by the medical community. And so if I'm living in Los Angeles and I went through 50 effing doctors with a great insurance plan who didn't know what they were doing, what is happening to somebody in the middle of nowhere where there's not a lot of, you know, and, and so it's just an epidemic that needs to be fixed. And the goal in, 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 from my perspective is one of the problems in this arena is patients just trust the doctors. And I'm not saying you shouldn't exercise some trust, but the problem there is, is that I just said, okay, I guess they know what they're doing. And I listened versus challenge or do my own research. So my biggest message to anyone listening is, look, I don't care what you got diagnosed with, skin disease, whatever, a thyroid problem, who cares what you're diagnosed with? You better jump on it and learn all you can. You better become your own expert. You better get into it. If you put your health completely in the faith of the hands of a doctor, you are going to lose. You might actually know more than them. You know, you've got to still exercise this. But when we're sick and we're, you know, a mess, we just want someone to come save us. And the truth is that we're really the ones that are going to save us. It's not to say that everybody should go dose themselves and do their, you know, I wouldn't suggest that. But you see where I'm going with that? I mean, so so it's about patient responsibility, but it's also about, um, you know, realizing that, well, first of all, there are solutions and answers. And there's a lot of doctors that tell people like, well, it's not your thyroid. So I guess we'll just have to put you on antidepressants or, and the patient's going, okay, I guess they know what they're talking about. Meanwhile, the patient has no idea the thyroid hormones are taking, what they're doing. They have no idea how to look at their blood tests. So again, people stay sick for 30, 40 years because they just listen to doctors and they don't even investigate themselves. I have seen people who have gotten so riddled with health problems, who have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars going to a million clinics in the US. And yet at the end of the day, we look at their blood work and we're like, oh, the doctor just missed the fact that your thyroid's been fucked for twenty years, and you have Hashimoto's. Who didn't? Who didn't find this? This poor woman's gone through all of these tragic health problems, and here we are. Some 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 philosophy degree holding, you know, actor over in LA is going. Well, I don't know what all the people at that Mayo Clinic did, but this is the problem. So that's ridiculous, right? I mean, that's that's kind of ridiculous. So so hopefully that makes sense. But at the end of the day, um, so then I. I after I kind of fixed myself, I ended up having the pleasure of being hired by Mark Sisson, who's the New York Times bestselling author of the Keto Reset Diet. He's also the founder of Primal Blueprint, Primal Kitchen, um, which he just sold to a company for over $200 million. And, you know, yeah. Really? And, and he's all, you oh, what you say? The-
0: who did You he sold, sold it to Kraft Heinz, you
1: know, Kraft Heinz, who they are the big, Ooh, yeah. oh,
0: I, I know, I know Kraft Heinz very yeah. well. Yeah. yeah Interesting. For between
1: 200 and $500 million. So, you know, anyway, he's wonderful. Wow. And he also wrote the Primal Blueprint. So when I started working for him, um, <laughs> here's, I was still on the old paradigm of eating. I still didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about paleo primal and I kind of read his book, but I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've read all these damn health books, whatever. I just kind of flipped through it. Like I totally blew it off. But then after a while of working with him and his wife and seeing them at their house a lot, I'm looking at these, these, these guys and I'm going, wow, they're 20 years older than me and they look a thousand times better than me. Like what is happening? I should probably read his shit. I should probably read this book. So I read his book, I watched some seminars, and granted I, I work with him, but I was just like, all right, I, I need to see what he's gonna say. And then I literally went paleo primal and my life changed. Uh in every way, everything went away. I lowered my, I, I used to be on like a hundred micrograms of a certain thyroid medication, went down to 50. Uh, at this point, I'm on 7.5, which is barely anything. Um, it really helped me heal my body over time. And I discovered this connection that no one else has made. And there really is a true connection between paleo primal ancestral health, which are all synonymous and how it works with our endocrine system and thyroid. And no one has ever made that connection or figured that out. So thus, was born the paleo thyroid solution, which is my book. So when I talk about like paleo, people sometimes go, okay, I get it. The paleo part is to lose the weight because you got fat when you were hypothyroid. That's part of it. But the other part of it is that truly it doesn't matter who you are um, and everyone's got a thyroid gland who's listening right now. And if you don't have a thyroid gland, it was surgically removed or you are the one in the million people who was born without it. And if you are born without a thyroid, then they have to administer thyroid hormones immediately, or you will end up being a mentally retarded individual. For real. No, no. And I mean that like in medical terms, the baby will become not, the brain won't develop and they will get, they will become retarded. It's It's a really terrible thing. So if it's not caught right away, and that just goes to show you how important thyroid hormones are, you will die on an island without a thyroid quickly. You have to have it. It's the master gland. It is the precursor to your testosterone. Every guy listening should care about paleo and should care about your thyroid because it's the... It's, it's really about not only just metabolism and fat burning, but optimal overall health. And the thing about paleoprimal, and we can get into more detail about this um, in a bit if you want, but it's really the ultimate in adrenal management and blood, blood glucose management. And those things are really related to all of the hormonal signals that are sent. So if you're a sugar burner and you're eating every two, three hours and having these drops and you're carbohydrate dependent, you know all your workouts at the gym are going to get canceled because if you don't eat within a certain period of time after your workout, your muscles are going to catabolize. Not so if you're a fat burner, not so if you're on a high fat, moderate protein, low carb ancestral paradigm, you can work out and not eat for hours. It doesn't matter. So so these things are really related to all of these hormonal signals, but also if you work out and care about your health and how you look, this is the way to do it. Now, on the converse, a lot of athletes are becoming pre-diabetic, even though they look great. And they're going, why is this happening? You know, what the hell? Like I work out all the time. Yeah, I might have a little dessert here and there, but what the hell? Their blood work does not reflect what their body looks like. And the reason for that is because when they wake up in the morning and go on their run, they already have 130 grams of carbohydrates in their shake. So they've got, they're have they ingesting the carbs, they're going to burn the carbs. They're ingesting the carbs, they're going to burn the carbs. Every time you do that, you're knocking on the door of the pancreas to release insulin and it doesn't like it. The the species that secrete the least amount of insulin over their lives live the longest. It's Insulin's important, but we're not meant to be knocking on that pancreas door all the time. So you might think you're getting away with it on the outside because you look in the mirror and you feel good, but you eventually are not getting away with it on the back end and shit's going to start to fall apart if you don't figure it out. And so it's not just for people that like ate themselves into type 2 diabetes, or it, it's this is this is for everybody, including athletes. So that's why we are seeing more athletes moving towards a high fat, low carb, ketogenic type of training style, even bodybuilders. You know, a lot of people that I coach have been bodybuilders or bikini competitors who screw their thyroids up because of their workout program. You know, chicken and broccoli and low fat and all of the stress, it screws up their thyroids. Completely. Um, so anyway, I'll stop there because I could go on forever. But that's you know that's that's initially the the first part of uh, what you probably want to know.
0: Quite the introduction. Oh, quite the introduction. Yeah, that was good. It's uh, again so many things that you mentioned just to touch base on as well, and it's so interesting because it's like I I was very similar when I was uh, growing up when I first got into health and fitness around the age of 15 16 I got qualified as a PT when I was sixteen, and just learning the very basics of what they teach you doing these accreditation courses and it's it's all geared towards like you said that sort of zone diet which is just going to be a carbohydrate based or heavily focused on the carbohydrate based um, consumption and it really does fuck with you and you're just a slave to your slave to your blood sugar and it literally keeps you it creates this these well it's not really illusionary because they physiologically exist the effect but uh in in a sort of mental jail cell of having to eat every few hours and it was one of those things that I never got my head around It was very similar to you where you're doing all the training in the world your diet is quote-unquote on point and yeah you're, you're building your body from for an aesthetics um point of view but the inside of you is just slowly degrading and um you can get away with it for a certain amount of time also depending on where you're based in the world if you've got a lot of sun the uh the vitamin d can mitigate some of the some of those effects or the adverse effects but if you're over here in the uk then it's a little bit harder to uh get away with some of the bad decisions that you make when you're doing that sort of exercise regime and you're doing that sort of um dietary protocol and uh Yeah, really, really interesting what you were saying. How you went from like 115 pounds to 160 and just ballooned the fuck. And that was working out two uh... hours a day.
1: So imagine how fat I would have gotten. Mm-hmm. And, and granted, I shouldn't have been working out. It was probably making it worse because again, when you have low thyroid hormones, you have no metabolism, which is usually why you get fat. Now not everybody gets fat, but they will have other symptoms. But a lot of people gain weight because T3, which is the th- the active thyroid hormone, is what burns fat. And so if you don't have enough of it, it doesn't matter what you do. Your body can't get into ketosis. You can't try that. Nothing is going to work because it's like trying to light a wet log. Do you know what I mean? You, it, it, you can't even get there. So you have to have pri- you know proper hormone status, thyroid hormone status for everything to work. And when you talk about being a slave to those carbs, every time you have a drop in blood sugar and the four hours goes by and all of these waves of ups and downs, every time there's a down and every time there's an up, your adrenals respond because it doesn't like that. So it outputs cortisol. That's antagonistic to everything, including your hormones and testosterone, your workouts. Now, we like cortisol. I mean, we need cortisol. We, we want it, but we don't want to output it unnecessarily. So like someone under immense stress who's outputting tons of cortisol and adrenaline, they're going to get fat around the middle, and they're going to have some health problems down the road if they don't get that you know stress figured out. And there are people that do screw up their thyroids by just being in that level of stress.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I I see it a lot and um I want to go really in in depth with the uh some of the some of the thyroid stuff in just a second but just what you brought up then about uh some of the figure models that completely destroyed themselves and a close friend of mine is doing uh prep at the moment and she's 6 7 weeks out and I'm she's getting trained from a a UK champion, uh, like a professional figure model, and I'm just I've kind of just taken the back seat. And I'm just overlooking like what's going on, and the like you said, chronic cardio, just absolutely smashing, just like hour hour and a bit of cardio every day, and the diet is just appalling. Like it's yeah, I was just I'm like fuck, man. Your 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 adrenals are gonna be. Fucked. It's your your thyroid's going to be absolutely wrecked, and I yeah, it's just. So I don't know how these how these um male and female how how they survive how they survive their career. Like it, it's literally they. It must be they must be like I can't talk from experience because I've never done a prep like that, but they must be in consistent not pain, but consistent just discomfort they're pretty much the majority of their life or in terms of their career anyway because the the diets that they eat the macros that they follow even though it's not about so much about the macros but just every the whole um foundation of what they base their career off it's it's so dated and it again it just dates back to the work like you got the likes of like Ansel Keys back mm-hmm. in the fifty with his work his on... his false his like false really presentation
1: key. of his study where he only presented a few of the countries that he <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And and we're literally living in the uh in the uh the result of that. And it, it's a shame. Well, it's more than a shame, it's fucking catastrophic, really. And it's and what's what's weird as well is that fucker lived to a hundred
1: yeah. well, like, You know, it's funny. Well, we <laughs> there's this guy we laugh about back in the nineteen eighties in the uh, in the States. His name was Jim Fix, and he wrote a book about jogging, and then he died while jogging. Which is <laughs> like so good. <laughs> um gotta love those stories. Yeah, oh, you yeah. know, um <laughs> here's the thing. So, you know, actually a UK guy back in the day, Roger Banting, that's the guy. He knew what he was talking about. That's like the one of the original keto guys, other than our ancestors, right? So, you know that that term banting and in general, I mean, that is essentially a ketogenic ketogenic paradigm. So, for these bodybuilders that want to shed as much fat as possible, they're using the most struggle to get there. They're using they're got to work out so much of the, the food program. I mean, what a nightmare! If they just went keto or just went low carb, they would be able to achieve the same body with so much less stress so much and, um, and very little damage to their body. And if anyone's out there and is a competitor or is interested in bodybuilding, look up Louis Vill- Villasenor of keto gains. Yeah. He's yeah. He's a, a beast, beast and he's been keto yeah. for 18 years and the guy's ripped. And so, you, you know, that's why, again, a lot of bodybuilders are moving to this arena because it's the healthier way to do that. And so much less struggle, so much less stress. And by the way, for me, I barely do any cardio anymore. Um, you know, 80% of your body composition is what you eat, period, end of story. Um, And in general, when you move to this paradigm, not only do I never think about food, which is really still astounding, you know, I still have moments where I cry for my old self, you know, because I was so lost thinking like, is this just me? What am I going to do? Am I going to spend the rest of my life thinking about food? I mean, it's horrible. It's really a horrible thing. But what I didn't realize is that I, unbeknownst to me, was eating in a way that was dictating that food disorder, it's not you. So if you're out there, it's not you. It's just your lifestyle. And you can change it and completely get rid of that food obsession in kind of like a month or six weeks. I mean, you really, really can't. And so I challenge anybody who's out there who's got these kind of issues to go to an ancestral paradigm. You only need willpower with what you put in your mouth for a month, and then you're good to go. You will see the benefits and you won't want to go back. You don't need to go to the gym. You would don't need to even stand up and walk to the mailbox. You could sit on your couch and get fat adapted if you wanted to. So there's really no excuse. Now, if you're on the old paradigm, you better go to the gym. You're eating those carbs, you better burn them. You're eating them, you're better, you know what I mean? You are, you're in that. Now, you know, it's funny. Mark Sisson says, talks about this a lot. He goes to the gym and, you know, there'll be some guy like hauling ass on the stationary bike for, you know, an hour. And Mark will be like, hey, you training for something? And the guy will be like, nope, just love to eat. So. So here's the thing. So that's somebody who's carbohydrate obsessed, right? They are working out so that they can eat more, but that is already a food obsession marker right there. Do you know what I'm saying? You see where I'm going? Like, that's already an indicator that you've got a problem with your blood glucose and everything else if that's how you're thinking, because you wouldn't be thinking that way if you were fat adapted and you wouldn't need to spend an hour on the bike. You really you wouldn't even need to work. You wouldn't, don't need to work out every day. But if you are a carbohydrate sugar burner, you better work out every day you'll get fat. You ain't got better burn burning those carbs off, you know? So it's a really stressful lifestyle that I was under and it's just so easy now. It's just so easy, you know? And it's, um, a sense of freedom. You know, I can take a, if you're fat adapted, you could take like a 10 hour flight and not eat a damn thing. Meanwhile, everyone around you is freaking out after four hours and has to like get in the chips and the, the, you know, the, 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 sugar bars or whatever they're doing. And that's how they associate it. Well, I was sleepy and run down and my brain was suffering and I ate, therefore I felt better. You know, that's the same philosophy as a heroin addict who's coming down off of heroin and they're and take a little heroin and they feel better. That's not necessarily a good thing, though. So, you know, but people have that association, right? So then they think, well, this must be the paradigm. Now, There's a guy out of South Africa named Timothy Noakes, and I really like his story because he's the guy that wrote the book called The Lore of Running uh, back in the 80s. And it was all about this training, right? You know, carb up before the race, spaghetti before the race, you know, uh, bread it up. The whole paradigm was glucose is what's supposed to fuel you those guys all became type two diabetics. And then now he's fallen on his sword and he's come out and he said, everything I said about this was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I feel really, really bad. But we thought this was the way it was. But recently I was listening to an audiobook of a very famous actress celebrity who wrote a book about health. And I was curious to see what she was going to have to say about it. And I'm like, into, I forget what chapter it was on the audiobook, book, but it, she starts off by saying, glucose is the primary fuel of the body and I was like click off chuck in the garbage (laughs) Um, that is so wrong you guys that's the whole point so glucose is not the preferred fuel we have a DNA blueprint as human beings okay horse has its own DNA and so does a cow makes them look different and it dictates their lifestyle and what they eat this is why we don't feed escargot to a horse or we don't cook up a ribeye for a cow because that's not right, because that's not what their DNA needs and expects of them. Our DNA kind of expects and needs us to be primarily fueled on fat. It's a preferred fuel for our brain and most of our organs. That doesn't mean we don't need glucose, but we don't need as much as people think we do. And look at the type 2 diabetes epidemic in our world. It's a disaster. And the only way it got there was because of the carbohydrate dependency.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, like right from the word goes, you can you can look just as, as soon as we're born, we're born within a few hours, we're in a state of ketosis, and that continues on through breastfeeding, and that's gonna, which gives us the energy for brain growth, and uh, yeah, that's how it's that's how, literally how it's meant and to be. Milk, and by then the it's way, just want we'll interject: the-
1: breast milk is fifty percent saturated fat, so that whole Ansel Keys and all these old studies that were like, oh, saturated fat's gonna clog your arteries, no, it will not. No, it will not, but it will if you continually eat saturated fat in the presence of a high carbohydrate diet because your body is going to be too busy dealing with the glucose and the threat of that crap that it's not going to burn the fat. Right. So, you know, that's why Mm -hmm. uh, I I challenge anyone to look up Dr. Ken Berry. He's in our space and he's a paleo guy Um, and he is full carnivore. He's been carnivore for eight months. He basically only eats meat and, you know, butter and maybe like maybe he'll have a little bit of heavy cream and something. But for the most part, he's eaten just strict, straight up meat and the fat off of the meat. And he's done it for eight months and his total cholesterol is like 330 or something that most people would be totally alarmed by, right? You know what I mean? Like, oh my God, you're going to die. But he's not worried about it based on the other factors and knowing what he knows about ancestral health. Our ancestors pretty much ate that way. And that's why they didn't run into health problems. Yeah,
0: everything was seasonal back then. It was in the winter; it would have been heavy animal fat, animal organ, very low carb. With, so, like, yeah, Almost very good. low carb. And then in the yeah, and then in the summer, that with the spring, summer, depending on where you are on the planet, of course, it would have been an increase within local fresh fruit and veg. But it would have been completely different than what it is today. In that, it would have been it would have been consumed directly being pulled from the ground or off the branch would which would affect the photon content within the food which then would totally mitigate a lot of the issues of consuming a higher um carbohydrate based diet for that part of the year anyway and i don't know we just we've it's literally the past 100 years even maybe less the past 50 years it's re- like we take, we've taken things that have been said in the past 50 years that we now take as gospel and it has fucked up generations of humans living on this planet. And like you said, there's been a massive increase in type two diabetes. There's going to be, which they're now calling type three diabetes, which is like Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. which is essentially the same, which is the same sort of thing where your, your brain becomes insulin mm-hmm. resistant. Um, same sort of thing we're gonna see a massive increase on that in terms of my generation which is like the millennials then below me generation z z, z whatever way you want to say it um it's things are only gonna get worse and there's a there is a growing number of um us yeah there's a it kind of it's harsh as it's like us versus them but there's a growing number of people that are awakened up to Taken back control of their health, that like you said earlier, it's like you have to be your own savior, there is no savior coming to save you, like you are the hero of your own journey, you are the savior, and if you have to act like that, and you have to go out and do the research for yourself, and not be blindly led to the slaughter, like so many people are, because it's the health system's fucked, it's corrupt, heavily infiltrated by, by big Pharmaceutical corporations that don't give a fuck about your health—they all they care about is making bank. And yeah, let's keep you, uh, let's keep you on the bankroll. Let's uh, let's keep you on the uh, customer list, on and keep set, selling you shit that's just gonna make you more ill. And it just and then the the biggest uh, scam of the past century is, yeah, it's just br- having breakfast in the morning. How, you got to have your breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. And what are you gonna have? I'm gonna have some cheap ass. Uh, grain that's just gonna absolutely destroy you
1: yeah and you know it's funny because in my book i have a photo of a cover of a book i saw i I don't even i never read the book but just on the cover it's called the thyroid diet (laughs) and on the cover is a photo of a pint glass of orange juice next to six rice cakes and then over the side there's like two cherry tomatoes and like three sprigs of lettuce okay wait now <laughs> right, what the fiber okay, is. so I'm looking at this and I'm going, hold on a minute. So I did like some calculations. I'm like, all right, hold on a second. All of that stuff that's there and that cover is about 64 grams of carbohydrates. Um, now. If you're gonna do that, wouldn't you want a loaded baked potato with bacon and butter? And do you know what I mean? Like, because that's what a large baked potato is. I'll take the baked potato. You know what I mean? Over over that. And frankly, with all of the fixing on it too, that's gonna satiate me much longer. It's just like, why would you do that if you could do that? You know what I mean? So and and that orange juice and everything is gonna just spike your insulin, spike your blood sugar. and You're gonna have a drop a couple hours later. That's why when you eat a bowl of pasta, you want to fall asleep two hours later. That's, that's not you. That's, that's the carbs that just jacked you up and threw you down, you know? Um, and when we look at our government food pyramid here in the U S it suggests six to 11 servings of grains a day, plus two to four servings of fruit. That is a diabetes making diet. And, you know, so if you've ever seen these shows where it's like, you know, my 600 pound life or something like that, where there's like these people that are so obese, they can't even like walk. Right. I was watching one of these shows once and the doctor who was helping these people, he had put these two very obese, like 600 pound each twin, like sisters on, on a diet and they had to come back every week and check. And he was a little bit perturbed that they had not, you know, lost more weight and they should have for that week. And he said, hey, what's been going on? And one of the girls said, well, we we have been, we, we ate some carbs. And he, he looked at them and he goes, hey, you are done with carbs. You're done. And like, that's the truth. That's the truth. Why is she done with carbs? She'll never get better. The only way to lose weight at that point is to eat straight up fat or straight up fat and protein. That's it. You're not going to lose weight any other way. And if you continue with the carbs, forget about it. So carbs will get you in trouble. And it's not that they're bad. It's not to say you're in Paris and go enjoy a croque monsieur, you know, on the street with some bread and ham. That's fine. But it it's about what's your daily life like. You know, it's not to say this paleoprimal is not relegating you to a life of never having a grain or never having a piece of someone's lasagna or something. but it's about, you don't want to do that every week. You don't want to do that often. You know, those are, should be far and few between, you know what I'm saying? And on the carbohydrate dependency, man, it's not very, let me just say something about grains. It's something Mark Sisson says a lot too, and I really agree, which is, no one listening has ever eaten a damn grain without putting fat or sugar on it to make it taste good. Does anyone eat a bowl of plain oatmeal? Nobody. Does anyone eat a, a, a plain bowl of pasta? Never. It's the fat that you put on it that makes it tasty. It's the butter or it's the brown sugar or it's the bananas. Grains by themselves are just a bunch of beige sludge, not meant for human consumption. And, you know, anti-nutrient. Um permeates the gut, can lead to leaky gut. It also ignites a lot of autoimmune disorders. If you type in grains plus rheumatoid arthritis, grains plus Hashimoto's, it all comes up. They are related. They ignite the antibodies. And Going back on an anthropological level, if people are really curious about the science behind this and, and what this really means, I suggest everybody go rent, or I think it might be free on Netflix right now. Um, the Perfect Human Diet by CJ Hunt. It came out 10 years ago. It's still applicable. It's the first and foremost paleo primal ancestral documentary. And one of the things, one of the doctors says in there is, or the anthropo- uh, anthropologist is that, you know, and these anthropologists can look at, you know, DNA samples, right, from 50,000 years ago. And they can go, oh, that's a horse or, you know, and they, they can see things and see certain disease markers and stuff. Rheumatoid arthritis never, ever was shown in the archaeological record at all until 10,000 years ago when grains came on the scene. And if you talk to people with rheumatoid arthritis, famous chef Seamus Mullen, who's written several books on a ton of rheumatoid arthritis medications and suffering for 10 years, finally said, uh-oh, well let me look at food, figured it out, boom, off all medication, pain-free, he's been good to go for seven years, not And if you tested his blood, it's clear for rheumatoid arthritis. He does not have it anymore. No doctor's going to tell you that. They're going to put you on they or going to put you on these biologics. They're going to put you on medication and go, well, this is what it is. So I just challenge everyone out there. you got a health problem or you know someone, there's an answer. And when it comes to high fat, low carb, moderate protein or Banting or keto or any of these like lower, lower carb paradigms, you know what they're used for? Their therapeutic uses are for cancer, epilepsy, and brain trauma. When you have a traumatic brain injury um, and you're like in the hospital and you're in a coma, your body, your your brain can't access glucose. That's the time where you have to go keto right away. Um, cancer. Okay. So when they're looking for cancer in your body and they're like, where is it? We need to find it. We know it's in there somewhere because we see the blood test. Where is it? They inject your body with glucose because it lights up the cancer cell. If that doesn't say everything that you need to know right there listening, that like take heed on that one do you know what I'm saying? And so, so that's, I mean, that's pretty clear. And then also for epilepsy. So if you're epileptic and you're on medication, people, even in their children, I talked to someone a couple of weeks ago who has a six year old daughter that has been keto since she was one. And she used to have over like 40 seizures a day. Now she's got none within 48 hours. She only had one and then dropped to zero. This goes for adults as well. So, um, There are so many incredible therapeutic uses, and it says a lot. And for people that are interested in the cancer component, I say, look up Dom D'Agostino, who's done a ton of research on this, and he's one of our foremost experts in this arena. And then also look up a book called The Ketogenic Kitchen, written by these two women who are double cancer survivors. And... Their story, it's not just a cookbook. It also talks about all of the cancer specifics, but they basically were able to get through chemo and the whole, you know, also just the classic treatments with so little symptoms because of being keto. So it can even help someone through that and help starve the cancer cells.
0: Yeah, it's, it, when you when you start to do your own research you can tie together the the evidence of how we've got into this situation pretty quickly it's pretty it's pretty self-evident i mean the whole food industry is essentially just built upon the sugar industry carbohydrate industry and the puffer industry so you're looking at polyunsaturated fats uh, so you're going to be looking at all the bullshit margarine and all the fake trans fats that are out there. And then you look deeper into that and it's like, well, what are most of them made out of? They're made out of, if it's going to be canola or we call it rapeseed oil in the UK, uh, sunflower oil. Well, okay. So where does that come from? Well, it comes from the seeds. Well, where does the seeds come from? Well, it comes from Monsanto. Well, who just brought Monsanto? Well, it's Bayer. What's Bayer? Bayer is one of the big pharmaceutical agro sort of chemical, uh, Corporations in the world, and you're just like fuck. You're like, really? Is this like, is this, is this real? And then you do the research, and you're like, man, this is real. This is actually mm-hmm. happening, and we're it's it's like a fucking genocide that's going on. And yeah, you need people like Dom. You need you need people that are coming out with this evidence that are legit researchers that evidence has been there honestly
1: in the UK Roger Banting it's just like late 1800s that guy knew what was up then I mean just look into his story he already had the answer (laughs) you know what I mean and um, the grain thing has been disastrous for the human race and this gimmick and it's just a marketing ploy. and here's the funny thing so a lot of times, people will go paleo primal, and they eliminate grains, but they still hold on to the fucking oatmeal. It's like they can't. They're like, "Well, I still have." And you're like, they're It's like they're still constructed socially through all of the false information about whole grains and how how it's helped. No, you don't need oatmeal. In fact, don't eat it, or eat it every once in a while for a treat. If you really, you know, but no. Um. Again, so people still can't even let go of the last, you know, embedded you know, false paradigm that they were taught and it's been, and and again, it was hard for me going paleo primal. One of the hardest things, part of being an an ancestral giant is really the way that you move. And we talked about chronic cardio. Anybody can just do 180 minus your age, okay? Whatever number that is, you don't really want to go too far above that in heart rate um, except for maybe like once or twice a week for a sprint session, unless you're an athlete training for something in a different way. Of course, that would require more carbs and a different paradigm, but, but still, you really don't need to do that. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a sad thing because people are still in the mindset of the harder I work out, the more I sweat, the more I'll burn the fat. No, the harder you work out, the higher your heart rate. Now you're glycolytic. Now you're burning glucose. Your organs can only store so much of it. And so now when you're done with that workout, you're going to be hungry and tired. You're going to have to eat carbs and you're going to crave carbs. Okay, so the whole idea is to work out at that fat burning rate. And it was hard for me. I did hot yoga, which is high intensity. I used to uh, go hiking and I would haul ass up the mountain because I was like, the harder I go, the fat... And so I had to literally reprogram my brain to slow down and I got a wrist heart rate monitor. And at first it seemed really lame to hike that slow. Do you know what I mean? It's like compared to what I was doing before. It seemed like this doesn't seem like it's doing anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And also it was so much more enjoyable. I'm not heavy breathing. I'm enjoying the landscape. I'm just chilling, taking my time. Well, what do you know after you really go on this paradigm afterwards, not hungry, not hungry, not sore because I just burned fat on that hike. I didn't burn glucose.
0: Yeah. And it's so important. So do you, I'm guessing you do, do you, do you practice like intermittent fasting and prolonged fasting protocols? I as do. Well? And
1: it's kind of natural. So if you're new to this, you might need to start off by eating three meals a day and you can eat, you know, so switch out the oatmeal to eggs or, you know, some kind of primal paleo breakfast. After a while though, once you get fat adapted, what happens with a lot of people is they wake up and realize they're not hungry. And it's a very shocking thing for a lot of people. They're like, I'm not even hungry. That's what happens when you're fat adapted. So usually then you can move into a paradigm of intermittent fasting. I don't suggest anyone do it right away. If you're coming off of being a sugar burner, uh, you need to build up to that. You need to build the metabolic machinery Takes about 21 days to a month to really kind of flip over some of these genetic switches to be fat burning and really get your brain unaddicted to carbohydrates. And that could take a few weeks. So, you know, I mean, there, there is a little bit of a process to it. I don't suggest anyone jump in. What my normal paradigm is, is I was never a breakfast person to begin with. I love eating huge lo- dinners. Like that was my thing. So, what I do in general and what's natural for me is I wake up, I have coffee or tea or whatever. And then I usually don't eat anything. I go to the gym, I work out. And then after I work out at the gym, I'll have like a little bit of green powder and water with maybe some like, you know, bovine collagen, but really not many calories or really substantial food. And then I might not eat for a couple hours. And I have about a six to eight hour eating window, sometimes four to six. So maybe anytime between, you know, one and six or two and seven, I might eat time in between there I might eat at the first hour and then three hours later but usually just any time within that window and maybe multiple times within the window um, and that feels best to me so the one of the issues though with me is that when people want to eat dinner at like 7 p.m or something I'm like I can't I, I just that's not my jam anymore like I like to eat early you know so it kind of turns out to be one big meal a day what I do do in the morning though sometimes is I will have a little bit of fat. So either it will be nothing or it'll be like half an avocado with salt or, you know, a big spoonful of coconut butter so that I can take some supplements with a little bit of sustenance. And then I've got some fat going. Do you know what I mean? To 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 carry me through, but I don't need it. But I, I like it. You know what I
0: mean? I have got a I have got something to bring up. Al, And it's like I know I know what you're going to say to this because it's what I'm gonna is what I would say. But. I just, yeah, I kind of want to trigger you a little bit, to be honest. So there is a, I'm not going to name any names, but there's a guy that I used to look up to. He's quite well known within the alternative, holistic, um, conscious health world. And, uh, yeah, he went from doing, like, the Almond Ra protocol, which was all to do with, uh, you do, like, essentially like, one meal a day, but it's, like, there's a lot of heavy supplementation Um, involved in it, a lot of like grounding, sun gazing, all the the sort of esoteric shit added in. And he has flipped a switch and now he is heavily promoting the saying that sugar is medicinal (laughs) and how the, how the thyroid needs sugar to operate because glucose is the main source of energy. And he was, he trust, he was one of the, the main, um, he was one of the main proponents of being in a ketogenic state to begin with, and he was very switched on. He's not dumb, he's not thick, but all of a sudden, yeah, he's just flipped the switch. And he he, he posts stories of him like pouring maple syrup, like bottles of maple syrup over pancakes and just eating them, and saying how important it is to make sure you get the sugar and that how fat, um, like polyunsaturated fats cause lipofuscin which is going to be like yellow fat disease and he has really flipped the switch and he's one of his main things now is all about thyroid health and he is saying the complete opposite to what you're saying and i'd love to have a a live debate with
1: that guy and a bunch of doctors because um
0: uh, because he's wrong also
1: i'd love to hear about his thyroid journey let's see your results let me see your thyroid tests. Let me see what you got. Not buying it. It's almost like when a client he, comes to me and they're like, "Well, my doctor said my my thyroid results were normal," so and I'm like, oh, "I'm sorry, what? Do, do you know whether they're normal or not? Because I'm not trusting the fact that doctor knows how to evaluate it." So I'd love to see this guy's blood work and see what he has going on, and I'd love to see his HbA1c.
0: I would do as I would love to as well because I. So, so it's like, not buying it. until you can prove blood, blood work. I, I just
1: don't. Do you know what I'm saying? It's almost like this: if you're out there and you see some hot guy or girl with a great body. And you're like, Oh man, I wish I had that body. Think twice. You look at their blood work first. You might actually want the body of the guy that's kind of average sitting over in the corner because he might be more healthy than they are. They might be inflamed messes. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I'd like to see this guy's blood work and You'll have to tell me who he is after the show. I'll look it up. But that's just insane. And I'm not sure, like, is he being paid by an organization? Like, I'm not sure how he no, is he's... possibly on this paradigm or how long he's been on it, but it's going to fail him. And I, again, I'd love to see his blood work because I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that he's not insulin he's, resistant. He's, um,
0: he's on a vendetta against uh, DHA. Really? He's got a big, yeah, he's got a big vendetta against DHA. And he says that the polyunsaturated fats and the highly... Um un so the puffers and the huffers, he's he's got this big vendetta against and he's saying that it, they're the cause of everything that we've attributed to sugar. So the whole thing about the sugar industry, which was obviously built off the backbone of Ansel Key's work, he says that a lot of the work that was to promote the um the the need for omega threes and other sort of um unsaturated fats are based off the studies of the bores the b-o-e-r it's supposedly a, a studies that was done around a similar time it's all it come to be honest it comes across as confirmation bias that he's looking right. for things to to attribute to his own sort of hypothesis on this but yeah
1: here's what i'd love to do <clears throat> let's uh, i just uh let's see it's about almost 9 a.m Right here in the States, as I talk to you, I woke up at six. I've had some coffee. I haven't had anything else. You could put me on a stranded island with that guy. He's going to have freaking meltdowns. I will survive a lot longer than him. I'll be able to stay up. I'll be clear. I'll be able to read, write. That guy's going to have total, total breakdown until, until a couple of days in, his body switches into ketosis and starts burning the fat off his body and then fuels his brain that's when he'll be right. He's going to be suffering for those first couple of days or even that week when I would not be. Like I always thought it would be great if we could do like a survivor show, but do it with sugar burners versus fat burners so that everybody can see how amazing it is, right? Um, I guess, I, yeah, I, it's just terrible. There's a lot of people with false information out there. There's a lot of people pushing vegan, vegetarian diets. Of course, anytime, oh, anytime you're out there and you're in the space, people are going to argue with you. Um, I've had... V- vegetarians and vegans email me and be like, aren't you worried about all the hormones and the meat you're eating? And I'm like, are you effing kidding me? Shut, Shut the, the fuck fu-. up. Also to like do your research. And also I eat, uh, you know, this is a good one. So I talked to a guy one time and he was like, he's like, yeah, I be, I'm a vegetarian. And I go, why? And he's like, well, you know, I don't want to contribute to like, the environmental problems that are created from, you know, the methane released by all these cows and all this mass farming. And I said, okay, well, hold on a second. I said, the cows that are releasing all that methane that are affecting the environment are the huge cow feedlots where they feed them grains, they get sick, they have to give antibiotics, they're not roaming and eating grass, they're in these dirt, muddy, disgusting fields, right? They're mooing, it's just like disgusting. You drive by them on the freeway and you're like, oh, it's fucking reeks over there. Okay, those are the cows and the farms that are producing the methane. Why does that happen? Here's why. So you feed a cow grains to fatten them up and you are not feeding them their DNA-prescripted diet, which is grass. So you feed them grains and then they get sick and then you have to give them antibiotics. So that's why you see on packages of meat, like no antibiotics. And people are like, why would you even give an animal antibiotics? Because they get sick when you don't feed them their non-native diet, just like us. So those are the cows that are farting up a storm, Okay. Now you get to cows on these pastured farms where they're roaming, you know, they're allowed to, you know, just eat the grass and live the life they're living. They don't get sick. They don't get sick. It's better meat. The fat off of that meat is better because the omega-3 fatty acid profile is not thrown off because of the grains that they're eating. It's just a healthier animal and it's healthier for the environment, for the land and for the, for the air. Okay. So I said to him, I go, well, given that, why don't you just eat meat from those pastured farms and then now you're contributing to something positive for the environment? He didn't understand that distinction. I'm thinking, my God, this guy gave up meat and he likes it. I go, do you miss anything? Because usually ask a vegetarian. They will say, well, you know, when I smell barbecue, I kind of, and you're like, well, then eat it. If you smell it and you like it, eat it. Your body's telling you to eat it. Or you'll see a pregnant woman, um, this happened a couple times with people that I know who are vegetarians, and then they got pregnant. And they start having dreams about meat. And, you know, eventually they went to it. It's like, yeah, your body, primal instinct is going, dude, eat meat. Your baby needs it. You know what I'm saying? Or you hear about vegetarians who then only eat meat during their pregnancy. And you're like, doesn't that say everything you need to know about your life? Like if that was important for your baby, why would you go back to being a vegetarian after now? I get it. Here's the thing. Mark Sisson's son is a vegetarian. He was actually raised as one by by his wife back in the day. And they, it's kind of funny because Carrie Sisson's like, Ooh, I kind of feel bad because like we're all primal now. And like my son kind of got left in the dust because I raised him as a vegetarian. And I've spoken with Kyle Sisson many times about it. And he he will eat eggs, you know, so he can get some protein in certain ways. But for him, and I understand this, I'm not saying every vegetarian needs to eat meat, because for him, he's lived his whole life thinking it's disgusting. He's lived his whole life looking to not have meat in something. For him, it's, you know, it's a mental, it's a consistency thing. And he's tried over the years. So I understand there are people that are just thoroughly grossed out by it. And it's I'm not saying you should be forced to do it. But you might want to look into another avenue. Maybe that's some whey protein. Maybe that's holding your nose and eating chicken once a week. I don't know, but um, but you got to be careful. So if you're vegetarian or vegan, you really, especially vegan, you have to be careful about getting the certain nutrients, or you will falter. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. The uh, the vegan one is. The main one in my sort of crosshairs to be honest if you're the vegetarianism depending on where you are in the world it can you can you can get by with that but the veganism one is what's going to cause the accelerated aging and you see it within like all of these big time quote-unquote doctors who supposedly know what they're talking about that promote the vegan agenda so you've got i mean i guess like the one of the big ones is that michael greger i think that's i think that's uh One of the main guys, and it's like if you look at the like the the people that are proposing, like the yeah this vegan diet compared to people that are proposing the sort of ancestral diet. If you compare that Michael and you compare Mark, for example, I mean Mark's a fucking beast for his age. Like you said, I wasn't surprised that when you were working with him, you're like, damn man, like what the hell? His wife as as well. He's
1: He's sixty five. His wife sixty three. They both look yeah. incredible. They don't really stress out about it. And okay, so if anyone's really interested, um, <clears throat> Joe Rogan hosted a debate on vegan versus paleo on his show. And if you watch it, it's funny because the guy who's the vegan gets a little mentally testy at a certain point. And it's really funny because yeah. I'm like, oh, I bet he's having that drop in blood sugar right now. That's why he's getting feisty. Meanwhile, the guy next to him is totally fat adapted. is like completely calm, cool and collected, brain working fine and i'm just like it's just funny cuz yeah. i'm like oh this guy over here is getting all emotional and kind of like huffy puffy and stuff and it's it like i was like i bet it's because his glucose is suffering right at this moment
0: yeah and it's the thing is we fall into these ideologies these these tribes that's kind of natural to us i guess but uh we it's either it's all or nothing it's either you're ancestral you're vegan you're vegetarian and it's like if you're if you're a a fucking smart person you can see that there are benefits to all of these different methodologies and modalities you can understand the where some of the vegans are coming from with the benefits of fruit and veg okay i get that um at the right time and you and there's a lot of stuff to do with the ancestral diet yeah we get that as well and it's like you, you you don't have to just fall into one grouping and have and that becomes your new religion otherwise it's yeah, you're, you're again. You're 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 not saving yourself, are you? You're just falling. You're just being led instead of leading right, your this own is what life. What I
1: say about vegans and vegetarians: like you can make that decision. There's no judgment there. I don't care what it is. You feel bad about killing animals. You, it disgusts you. You hate the consistency. That's okay. Do what you need to do. Just know that you are making a decision to go against your genetics as a human being, and. With that comes problems if they are not satisfied, like B12 and some other nutrients and things like that, okay? So, and not to mention just the carbohydrate paradigm that you're going to be on that could screw you later, but you're still making a decision. So you can tout anything you want, but the science is in, the science is in about our DNA as humans and what it dictates. And so this other stuff doesn't have science behind it. It just really doesn't. And any of the science behind it, like you mentioned with Ansel Keys or other people, there's a, there's a movie called Fork Over Knives. Terrible movie. It's one of these vegan vegetarian documentaries. A lot of celebrities and people are like, I watched Fork Over Knives and I went vegetarian. And you're like, oh my God, you idiots. Because the first 10 minutes of the film, so I happen to, I'm also a writer of other things like TV and film. And I wrote a documentary that, Takes place in and really sheds light on Melanesia and Papua New Guinea and those cultures. Okay, so in the movie, like eight minutes in, he talks about all of these cultures and so healthy around the world and that these cultures are eat a low fat diet. And he mentions Papua New Guinea, and I literally like turned off, turned it off immediately and was like, "Are you kidding me?" Because the people in Papua New Guinea eat a eat high fat. You know, tons of coconut. They eat they revered pigs and pork, right? Ceremonial, etc. I mean. They're pretty much like old school paleo. So literally just false information, false information. So also too, try it, try it. See how the low carb, moderate protein, high fat paradigm works for you after a month. And then you tell me whether your carbohydrate dependent lifestyle was better. Not one person has gone down this road and went back the other way. Unless they slipped into something, and you know, whatever. But you know what I'm saying? It's I still get calls from friends that are like, "Oh my god, I, I just I am. So, can I just tell you how happy I'm to be fat adapted? I just took a five hour flight to New York, then we had an hour drive. Da da da. No mental problems. Oh my god, I didn't have to eat a thing before I'd have to bring snacks with me. This is the calls I get all the time from people, from my friends, even who have just kind of gone there over the years. It's it's truly amazing. And so I just challenge anybody, and even if you are. Vegan, vegetarian, you know, there might be a way to kind of adjust your carbs or, you know, do a little bit of this paradigm on that. But if you're out there and you're suffering from food obsessions or, you know, weight issues, you got to get yourself on this paradigm.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I couldn't agree more. And just to go back on what you said earlier, the most important point of everything that you said is it's about creating the metabolic machinery the metabolic flexibility in that you become fat adapted and then once you have that sort of uh, ability unlocked as such you you've got a lot more choice in what your in what your food choice and intake is throughout the day but it's important that you that you get that ability if you don't get that ability then like you said you're always going to be a slave to glucose and when you're a slave to glucose you're always going to be a victim of all of these um all of these issues that modern day, uh, the modern day medical is, system is uh, making so much money off, and one of the things just to, t- to begin to tie this in now, because okay. I know that we've only got you for oh, a little we can bit go of time. Over to YouTube, um, but go just, ahead. Okay, okay, sound. In which case, yeah, I'd, yeah. Can we, um, can we just flip the switch back on to yeah. the thyroid? Like, I really do want to get back into yes. um, the nitty gritty of. Just what the thyroid is, what the fu- what the issues that people experience with the thyroid now, and ways, things that we should be looking at which we're not looking at, and how to optimize the thyroid through lifestyle and through sure. diet. Sure. Well,
1: I've already mentioned it's the master gland, and it's in charge of the production and regulation of all of your sex hormones, your body temperature, your heart rate, fat burning, everything. So. It's a Goldilocks situation. We don't want it too hot, not too cold. So if you're hyperthyroidism and you have an over output of T3, that can cause a heart attack. You can get very skinny, constantly pooping all the time, um, uh, lots of like hard, hard, sweaty and clammy, like lots of issues with anxiety and things like that. So you don't want it to swing that way. If it goes too low, mm. here's the thing. Being hypothyroid or underactive thyroid is a disease state. So you will get a disease you otherwise would not have gotten if you were not hypothyroid. So for example, you get hypo, you're sluggish, you don't know what's wrong, you think you're tired, you go to the doctor, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, oh, here comes in a problem. And then what the doctors do is they try to patch it up over here and they're not getting to the root. So you always check the thyroid. So the doctor says, ooh, your cholesterol is horrible. We need to put you on a statin. Check the thyroid. Okay. Period. End of story. Because your lipid panel will be totally off if you don't have good thyroid status. Oh, you need blood pressure medication. Check your thyroid. Oh, I think your teenage daughter is you know, bipolar. We need to put her on some Prozac. Nope. Check the thyroid because something like that will work for a couple of months and then it will work. So any psychological issue, depression, et cetera, is related to the thyroid because we have more T3 receptors in our brain than anywhere else, which is why hypothyroid patients get extremely depressed. It's not just the symptoms, which are freezing hands and feet. Now, most people's hands and feet should be somewhat cooler than the rest of your body. You're not looking for hot hands and feet, but you know if you're the person that's cold all the time. You know, if you're that person that's freezing all the time when other people aren't, that's a sign. Any gynecological issues. So for men, that would be like low testosterone, not getting erections when you should, having trouble sleeping or recovering from exercise. That's thyroid for men, usually. And weight gain. For women, often weight gain, gynecological issues, infertility, miscarriages, okay? Um, heavy legs, skin thickening, acne, dry cracked skin, hair falling out hair losing its curliness, um, puffy face upon waking, um, taking three hours to get your shit together in the morning, which is a sign of low cortisol and low thyroid. Um, and so there's, there's over 30 symptoms in my book, but they're, they're pretty obvious, but the ones that are Weird to describe when you're in it are things that happen with the brain. So because it affects your brain, you'll start to not remember stuff, or you'll have really messy handwriting. You know, brain to hand dexterity. If you're really athletic, all of a sudden you find you're kind of klutzy and you're tripping over stuff, and you're like kind of uncoordinated. That that's another thing. Um, and also just the feeling of giving up on life. And I don't mean suicidal, although that could be it. But I mean if you're starting to feel like you're getting dumber and you're getting old in your brain which is a scary thing to voice to people right that then that's why i'm mentioning it because when i mention this people go oh my god that's me and they're too scared to say anything right and they might be like oh no well uncle harry he lost it at about this age no you know uncle harry may have had untreated thyroid problems so let's not <laughs> let's not uh end up like him and just assume that you're following some family heritage or something right so anytime you feel, and that's what it feels like. It feels like I'm getting dumber. You can't really read or you have to reread paragraphs. People say something to you, you can't retain it. You forget phone numbers and, and, and things like that, or, or dyslexia of the mouth sometimes. So clearly I'm a fast speaker and I obviously am bound to fumble my words occasionally. But when I was hypothyroid, one of the indications that I would know if I were on like, too low of medication is that my brain would start. I would be searching for a word or miss, you know, mispronounce it like backwards. And I've never had dyslexia or any learning issues, but you start to have cognitive issues, which can be very scary in a very private hell that you don't want to bring up, especially when you're only thirty and you're like, "How is this happening?" or whatever. You know what I mean? So, so those are the symptoms. But let me give everybody a quick tutorial on the thyroid so that if you are dealing with this and you're looking at lab results, um, first of all, everybody can go to my website, lrust.com, and there's a free thyroid guide. It tells you how to find a doctor in your own country, UK included, tells you what tests to get, when to take them, how to call a doctor's office and assess whether they might know what the fuck they're talking about. It is a full free guide that can get you on the right path. You don't even need to buy my book. So anyone who's even wondering about that or thinks their thyroid might be off, go to my website download the free thyroid guide, and that'll get you on the right path. So this is how the thyroid works. We've got a pituitary gland in the base of our brain, and you can kind of imagine it like a sensor. And anytime our body gets low in thyroid hormones, it shoots out a signal to the thyroid. And that signal is called the TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone. Now, most people in this world are only tested for the TSH and if you are with a doctor or you're listening now and you look back at your blood work and they only test the TSH, you're with an uninformed idiot doctor and you need to run. You need to run. Okay. That's a 1973 test that is never used anymore by informed doctors on fully assessing the thyroid. You need a full panel. So let me explain this. The TSH is called thyroid stimulating hormone. It's not a thyroid hormone. It's just a wake up call. So it shoots the pituitary goes, okay, you know, his body's low in thyroid hormone. I'm going to shoot a signal. It shoots the signal out. The thyroid, when it receives a signal and things are working properly goes, okay, thanks. I'm going to produce some T4 and T3. Now, let's talk about these two things. It's going to sound confusing at first, but I promise it's logical. And if I have a philosophy degree and could grasp this, you can, (laughs) you all can. So, all right. So T4 is the inactive form of thyroid hormone and T3 is the active. But here's the thing. T3 is really powerful. To show you how powerful it is, bodybuilders Jam themselves with T3 for six weeks before a competition to lose as much fat as possible because it is the only real serious fat burner in our body. You can't burn fat without proper T3, period. So that's what they do to their thyroids. Now they screw themselves up. No one should do that, but I'm just showing you how powerful T3 is. Okay. The reason we have T4 there. It's the storage hormone is because you can see it as kind of like a slow release mechanism. So the body, the thyroid will produce We don't know the exact amounts, but we just say for sake of argument, maybe 80% T4 and about 20% T3. And then throughout the day as you need it, the T4 will convert into the T3 as you need it. Like maybe you just worked out and then your body's like, oh, she needs some more T3, signal sent, you know, and and again, it's this lovely sort of, it's a great feedback loop and it's sort of a slow release mechanism. T4 is very stable and it's got a, a longer life. And so... T3 directly kind of peaks and dissipates within a certain period of time. And so that's why this is built in there. The other fail-safe mechanism is something called reverse T3. So the basic panel for anyone checking thyroid is TSH, free T4, free T3, and reverse T3. So signal sent, body produces some T4 and T3, and then throughout the day as you need it, the T4 is going to convert into the biologically active T3, and whatever is not used and whatever is not converted gets flushed out through a system called reverse T3. Why do we have that? Let me explain. Reverse T3 is literally a non-specific marker for wellness and unwellness in any human being. So for example, a woman having very horrible morning sickness when she's pregnant, that's a reverse T3 problem. Okay. I recently had a patient I was dealing with in Hawaii who went to the doctor and suggested and said, hey, I'd like to get my reverse T3 tested. And the doctor says, we don't do that. And he goes, well, I need you to take it for me. I don't understand why you won't do it. She goes, we only test that if you're like in the ICU. Okay. ICU is the intensive care unit, which means you're practically on your deathbed. So if they're going to test that then, don't you think they should test it way before, before you get to the ICU? And here's why. The reverse T3 there is to protect you. So for example, I told you how powerful T3 is. So let's say you're a normal person, your thyroid's working normal, and all of a sudden you're stranded on an island and you're starving. Okay. The body is going to go, ding, ding, ding. We're going to downregulate. This guy's starving, not getting any food. Okay. We are going to produce more reverse T3. We're not going to convert this T4 into the active T3 because we don't want this guy to burn any more fat because he's not getting any food. Okay. So it's the primal perspective. You're... Your body's always trying to save you. That's what type 2 diabetes is. You better hope you get fat on type 2 diabetes because at least it's getting pushed into the fat cells and not running through your blood, which is more dangerous. That's a skinny diabetic or skinny fat. Okay. So this reverse T3 is like an emergency break. So another example, let's say you get into a horrible car accident and you break five things and you know, all these horrible injuries. Again, the body's going to down regulate the T3. It's like, let's not throw any more fire into this metabolic storm of inflammation right now. We're going to dial it back. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's there to protect you. So what signals are you sending? So a lot of people who have reverse T3 problems, meaning they're a normal person, they've never been on thyroid hormone, and all of a sudden their thyroid gets screwed up and no one knows why. Well, could be diet and stress related, right? But it also could be, again, what threat is the body perceiving? So calls from ex-lawyers, going through a tough divorce, not getting enough sleep. All of those are messages that the body's stressed out and it is going to down-regulate and go, you know what, they can't, or you're training for a marathon and you're skinny and eating too low fat. Again, the body's going to be like, she's not getting pregnant. Furthermore, if she gets pregnant, we're going to give her a miscarriage because she's in no position to have a baby right now. It's just, I know I'm personifying the human body, but this is why this feedback loop is there. So, What are the problems that happen? Okay, well, if you have some pituitary problem and the signal's never getting sent, okay, that's one problem. The signal could get sent and the thyroid doesn't take the message. The signal could get sent, the thyroid takes the message and then pumps out the hormones, but then it's got some antagonistic thing going on that's preventing it from converting. So a reverse T3 problem is hypothyroidism as well because the T4 is not converting. And what causes that problem? Well, like the things that I just said, or uh, heavy metals, Lyme's disease, resurgence and a reignition of EBV, Epstein-Barr, any kind of metabolic threat will alert the thyroid to not do its job right, okay? So the only important thing is that you get the package, and the package is T3. So the free T3 result always corresponds with how the person feels, usually. Okay, so again, signal sent from the pituitary, thyroid wakes up and produces these two hormones, one in more amounts than the other, and then throughout the day, it'll give you the T3 as you need and convert to it, and then whatever's not used gets flushed out through a reverse T3, which is sort of just the inactive version. And that's how this great feedback loop is, it's, it's, it's just this wonderful feedback loop. Um, and doctors, for all of these years, were only testing the signal. And so the analogy I use is so they're only if you're only testing TSH, they're not seeing whether you got the package. That it's just the signal. Did I get the shit that I need? So patients, that's what I was tested for two years. He kept saying your thyroid's fine because my TSH was in range. But when some doctor finally tested my free T3, it was zero. It was like the bottom of the range. And so was my, they were like, Oh my God, you are severely hypothyroid. And I'm like, thank you very much. I spent 600 bucks for this just to get this answer from some fancy Beverly Hills doctor. And I've been to like 50 doctors and I had to pay this much money to just get an answer. And so that doctor kept me sick for two years, kept putting me on the birth control pill, all sorts of things. Your thyroid's fine. Work out more and eat less. No, it's not fine, dude. You don't know what you're doing. That's 40 year old outdated testing. So every but now most people who are on thyroid hormones and treated by endocrinologists which by the way classically the worst doctors for this because they have the most ego and they their their rules are ridiculous when it comes to this. They they often only test the TSH and the T4. So that's the problem. So now that you know how this feedback loop if they're not testing reverse T3 and testing free T3 then they're not seeing whether or not the stuff is even converting right. Are, is what you're giving the patient working? Is it converting into the thing that matters? And all that matters is that you have proper free T3 levels, usually. And That corresponds with metabolism. So most people who are suffering, fat, hating, have all these symptoms, have extremely low free T3 or extremely high reverse T3, do you know what I mean? Which also is... when. When T4 over converts into reverse T3 for whatever problem or reason, what happens is, is you can imagine it like it's standing in front of the T3 cell and kind of blocking it from getting in and actually like doing anything. So in those situations, you could have a normal free T3 and if the doctor isn't checking reverse T3, they could send you on your way and go, well, you're fine. And you're not. And if you have a reverse T3 problem, it takes a different medication sometimes to fix that. So that's essentially how the loop works. Now, if you have Hashimoto's, Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid. And that is something where you really strictly need to go paleoprimal, even on an autoimmune protocol, which really is a stricter food diet because grains really do trigger Hashimoto's antibodies. In that case, it's like type 1 diabetes where your immune system makes a mistake and it starts attacking the thyroid gland, okay? So in those situations, it's still hypothyroidism, but then you have this extra level of autoimmunity. I don't have Hashimoto's, um, but 13% or more of the population does. And it requires more tweaking and more monitoring because antibodies equal inflammation. equal be getting more cancers and higher percentages of issues. Women are more likely to give birth to kids with autism spectrum disorder with Hashimoto's. And the thing that doctors don't realize is there's something you can do about these antibodies, one of which is eliminating grains, literally just eliminating grains and gluten particularly because gluten is what really the antibodies, you know, the Hashimoto's feeds on. And so, you can see a difference in someone's antibodies in my book, going from three hundred to twenty five because they just went paleo primal and had a few cheats, but they're not doing pasta every night and bread every day, and you know they're they're not doing their oatmeal anymore. You know they're they're just having to cheat every now and then. And you want those antibodies to be low if you have Hashimoto's. So if you are listening and you have Hashimoto's and you are on thyroid hormone and you are feeling great, still. You need to worry about the antibodies in the background. And the doctors just go, oh, well, this person has Hashimoto's. Their numbers look good. They feel good. Well, I guess those antibodies are going to be there because they have Hashimoto's. No, there's something you can do about it. And you want to do your best to get them down to undetectable levels or very low. So that's just the case of Hashimoto's. I just wanted to distinguish that. That's an autoimmune disorder that affects the thyroid. And there are people that if you catch it quick enough and you do the lifestyle and you do the supplementation and you get things right, you can ev- avoid going on thyroid hormone replacement. And sometimes not. Um, and that's okay. It's okay to be on thyroid hormone replacement forever. It's not a medication with Five pages of side effects because it's giving you what you need. It's not a medication that's manipulating your body in a way it wasn't meant to, like all of these other prescription commercials you see on television with 500 side effects. And you're like, Oh my God, that's because those medications, like the birth control, for example, is manipulating your body in a way it wasn't meant to be. And this, you have side effects, right? But with thyroid hormone replacement, that's not the case. So there's the reason I say this is there's a lot of people out there that are like, I don't want to go on drugs. I don't want to go on medication. I'm afraid. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I get that hesitancy, but I just want to explain that's really not the same. So I hope all that made sense. And if not, I'm happy to clarify any part of it.
0: No, that was, that was really good. That was a pretty comprehensive breakdown for uh- – for the time. i yeah, that was good. That was um, just what I was looking for. And it's something that's really interesting for myself. Cause my, uh, my mum has gone through issues. She suffered with hypothyroidism for, oh God, I guess just b- before I was even born. And then from there, she's then developed type two diabetes and sh- she's from that old school generation of where they're only going to listen to what, their doctors tell them and our doctors in the UK are just as bad as the doctors that you've got stateside in that they all learn from the same, the same textbooks at the same institutions. And yeah, she just won't listen to me. I, I can show her all the research and evidence, but unless I, unless I've got a fancy DR in front of my name and a nice uh, freshly, freshly um cleansed white. Yeah.
1: I would say, how's that working for you? Not well,
0: right? Right? right. How's that
1: working for you? So you continue to go down something that's clearly not working, or try something different? You know, but it is tough. Here's the thing. He can bring a horse to water, right? I mean, there's so many. So, even myself, there's people in my family still doing oatmeal. I mean, you know, or or they won't listen to me, but then they'll hear Dr. Perlmutter, who wrote Grain Brain and Brain Maker, and they'll hear him on PBS or talk somewhere and they'll go, Oh, you know, grains are bad. I'm like, I've been talking about this for like years. So, you know, what I've learned (laughs) is that people will come Uh, to you uh, eventually when they're ready and that you can't preach this stuff. You can do your best to go, Hey, look, I'm worried about you. And this is the last time we're going to have this conversation. I am concerned about your health. I'm willing to help you, but it's really tough for me to watch you go down this, this, this arena. And, you know, I, I I don't want to keep hounding you on this, but I'm giving it one last shot and then you got to let it go. And that sucks because you're watching people kill themselves. Essentially.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's, um, like literally, I had this. I had this the other day. Like, I've I practice intermittent fasting. I'm. I like to feel that I talk the talk and walk the walk, and I'm um, the epitome of health in everything that I do because I like to pay very close attention to everything. And yeah, my, my it was on the it was on the radio the other day, and my dad was sat there, and it was um, a guy named Michael Mosley, and he was discussing who's like kind of like a well known sort of journalist over here in the uh, UK and he was talking about intermittent fasting and the benefits and you and my dad was like oh they're talking about your fasting on the radio it sounds healthy oh I might do it and i am like, fucking telling you that for years dad <laughs> and I was like I'm telling you that why don't you listen to me and it takes some guy on the radio to uh to make you listen and he was like yeah, and he was like, "Oh, that might be good for me." That and I, was like, I fucking told you,
1: shit. Yeah,
0: and it's just—I don't know what it is. It's just—it's just that thing that people don't want to listen to anyone that hasn't got the fucking credentials or that or that authoritative figure. Like people just have that victim mentality, the fear-based uh, mentality of listening to yeah, the authoritative figure doing as you're told. And it's something that, again, it's just something that's programmed into us from such a young age that as you grow old and you get, and it becomes very ingrained in your in your state of being, it's hard to get people out of it. So I've just watched my mum and dad just absolutely destroy their health. And I've had numerous conversations of pleading to them just like, yo, just listen to me. If not listen to me, then listen to someone who I can give you to listen to that I trust in as well. And mm-hmm. they're like, no, the doctor, the doctor told me that I need to keep taking these uh, pills that I'm otherwise I'm going to fall ill. And I'm just
1: like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and know, some people don't go. want to get better. You know, look, there's a lot of people who are in a state of victimhood and ill health, and this is their story. And they want to hold on to that story. And, um, <sighs> I, you know, it's a, it's a really... It's a really tough thing, but here's the thing. So there is a doctor on my book, and I, I, even if someone just bought my book and read the Q&A in the back of the book with the doctor, you will hear from a doctor why doctors don't know what they're talking about, and this is really what it comes back to. Again, they studied what they studied 30, 40 years ago in medical school. Why do the doctors that really know what's up about thyroid, like why do they know and others don't? It's because their patients kept coming to them saying, I'm not feeling well. I'm not feeling well. They're looking at the tests the way they should have in the old school way. And they're going, I don't know, but here's the difference. My doctor, Dr. Forsman on my book or other functional doctors and doctors in the know said that themselves, hold on a minute. What's happening with these patients? Why are they not feeling good? These numbers look right. They're on the right amount of medication. So guess what they did? They went above and beyond and did their job as a doctor and geeked out and was like, I need to get to the bottom of this. And that's the problem because in medical school, doctors do geek out on that stuff. They thrive on, you know, oh, well, what's this problem? Let's try to figure it out. And then at some point they become complacent and they don't care and they're steeped in outdated protocols from 40 years ago. There are doctors still, even in our industry that are up on certain things, still dispelling misinformation about thyroid. And it kills me because I'm like, wow, you you have everything over here. You understand grains, you understand this, you understand all of this, but yet you're still, you're still outdated with the thyroid. The ones that aren't are the ones that said, hey, let me look further into this. And those are the doctors that test the tests that I mentioned. So I would be willing to bet you $500 million that if we looked at your mother's thyroid test, the doctor probably never tested anything other than the TSH and the T4. Yeah, I guarantee you just go go ask your mom for blood tests, go take a look and you're going to go goddamn Elle was right. I mean, it's just and I'm not in the business of being right. I'm just in the business of dispelling crap information about this topic so people can get better. So if anyone's listening, go back to your blood tests. And if you have a doctor that's testing TSH, free T3, and free T4, that's better than most. But if they don't know about reverse T3, they are still also uninformed. Now, my doctor and the doctor on my book, Dr. Forsman, he tests reverse T3 in every human being that comes into his office because for him, like I said earlier, it's a general non-specific marker for wellness and unwellness in anybody's Life And now that I've described to you how the thyroid works and what reverse T3 is, you can see that if you have a high reverse T3 situation, that's not necessarily good because your body's going, whoa, 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 for a reason. So that means let's look into other things. Does this person have Lyme disease, heavy metals? What's their lifestyle like? Are they getting sleep? You know what I mean? And so that's why it's really, really important to get those four tests and then there are two Hashimoto's antibody tests and again this is all in my free thyroid guide but I will say them now. Most doctors only test for TPO, which is thyroid peroxidase antibody for Hashimoto's. There's another Hashimoto's test called thyroglobulin TG antibody. You need to get both because sometimes you can be positive for both or one and not the other and it's important to know because one is a little bit worse than the other. Um so again, you know there's really six main tests, but again, go to my thyroid guide. It's free and you can see all the tests you need to get, when to take them, to take them with or without medication, you know, all of the all of the stuff you need to get assessed properly. And the doctors that really know more about this are the functional medicine doctors, are the truly integrative MDs, not the classic endocrinologists. They are the worst people to go to because they are steeped in ego. They think to themselves, how could I've gone to medical school gone to Harvard, gone to Oxford, paid all this money, spent 10, 15 years of my life and not learned everything I needed to know. This literally just, and if you don't test it, not a problem, is it? Can't can't find a fever if you don't take a temperature, right? (laughs) So, you know, they're not taking the test to even know whether or not something's a problem. And this keeps patients sick and still hypothyroid, even though they're on thyroid hormones. So that's what people don't realize. You know, they don't realize you can be actually still be hypothyroid and totally screwed up on thyroid hormones because of the mismanagement of the dosage or, or other lifestyle factors or other nutrient factors. So um, I know there's a lot there, but I hope it's enough to at least anyone that has this concern. Don't listen to a doctor that says, well, you're hypothyroid, therefore you're going to suffer from X. No, that's a doctor who doesn't know what they're doing. They don't know how to treat you and that's their excuse for not knowing. So this is completely solvable, okay? And and I want everyone to know that. And you have to just keep persevering, and that's why I'm out there. So get my guide or the book, but go in the right direction. Go to my website and listen to me talk to doctors and have a bunch of podcasts on it. Whatever you need to do to educate yourself, if you're out there and you're struggling, there's a way out of this. There's a way out of it naturally. I've seen people turn around the thyroid problem in six to eight weeks, just optimizing nutrients, getting rid of the crap. I have literally seen miracles. Okay, So it's you can do it naturally, and if that fails and you have to go to thyroid hormone, then that's possible. There's no losing here. If you're losing at it, it's because you're not with the right doctor or you're uninformed in some way. So that should get everybody hope who might be out there who's been on like medication forever and they're still not feeling great. You should feel awesome. If you're on thyroid hormone replacement, you should feel like a normal human being, never have to take naps, feel great, full energy. And if you're not, it's either your diet and or the dosing's off. So hopefully that makes sense and gives people hope out there. This is solvable. So don't listen to a doctor that's like, well, you know, you have hypothyroidism. So, so yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. And that's really what I was looking for. That sort of breakdown to be able to tell people and give people the the rundown and guys like listen to what I was saying. And if you want to, if you want, if you're intrigued by this and you want to know more and grab Elle's book, because Elle knows her shit about this and L really is like one of my go-to sources when I was learning about the thyroid, when I was, uh, when that was part of my sort of um, interest a year ago. So, and it's, yeah, it's, it's so important and it's just another piece of the puzzle when it comes to understanding the body, but a very important piece at that. And uh, yeah, L, just, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're close things off with that. I think, uh, I think, I think it's been great. And again, I really appreciate the extra time that you've given me and the listeners and guys, again, really do check out Al's work and Al for everyone that's uh, really enjoyed today and liked what you're uh, liked your vibe and what you were saying where can they find more from you you said your website yep. uh, I think you briefly mentioned it but if you've got like social media handles where where are you most present to and yeah, yeah let people I'm
1: know most what, active uh, on Instagram and it's uh you can just type in my name and I'll come up you can go to my website lruss.com and contact me if you need coaching or you want some more information to listen to some podcasts and other things um, and also every Monday I'm the host of the Primal Blueprint Podcast which is Mark Sisson's podcast and we interview Everybody in the mind body health space, uh, from life coaches to, you know, Dom D'Agostino and other doctors uh, who are talking about this, these kind of subjects. So it's, um, we've got over 300 episodes there. You can just go back and pick your topic and, and see what you'd like to learn. And if you're curious about paleoprimal health, you can always go to the primalblueprint.com or mark's daily apple which is the blog it, you can all find it at primalblueprint.com and there's free videos there's free you know meal plans there's things you can find out and learn all about paleo primal without ever buying a book you know so that's what mark's great For and myself as well as providing as much free information. And that's why I gave the free thyroid guide because I suffered for years, man. I spent so much money. I spent $15,000 I didn't have as a broke actor trying to figure out a problem that I didn't need to do that for. I wasted a lot of money and time, you know? And so I'm just like, man, here, here's the free information. Go help yourself. You know what I'm saying? And Mark does the same thing too on primalblueprint.com. So just tons of free information to figure this out.
0: Sam, so, that's that's great, Alan. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And guys, take Al's offer up. It's uh, This is a necessity. You need to know this stuff. You need to arm yourself with as much knowledge as you can to embody it, transfer it into your own wisdom. And from there, that's when you're going to start to go through that whole transmutation that I always talk about of that base metal into the gold. That's what we want you to become. And that's what you're destined to become. And yeah, you, you need to, uh, you need to wise up on this shit because no one else is going to tell you this. You're not going to, you're not going to learn about this if all you do is just listen to the news and radio. So yeah, again, El, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it's, it was, it's great talking to you. Great, uh, having your, uh, insight on all of this and, yeah, I think this has been a really important episode for the uh for the series as a whole, and guys, hopefully you've really enjoyed this one. So uh with that, let's uh let's tie it up for today. That's episode thirty-seven. Rolling out, as always guys, stay woke as fuck, and I'll catch you on the next episode.